Hello and welcome to the Free Gift Podcast, originating from the Free Gift Gospel Mission. The Free Gift Gospel Mission is an independent Bible-believing church preaching Jesus Christ as man's only provision for redemption and salvation. We are located at 1025 Maple Street in Kingsport, Tennessee, on the corner of Maple and Brook. This podcast is a Christ-centered ministry reaching out to souls with the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. Verse number 11 says, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Amen. We thank God for the reading of that scripture and the hearing of it to our hearts. And this passage of scripture that we've just read records the state of every man and every woman and every boy and every girl before they are saved. The Bible says that they are without Christ. May I say to you tonight, my dear friends, there is no more of a dreadful state that a man or a woman could possibly be in than to be without Christ. It's one thing to be without a home. It's one thing to be without money. It's one thing to be without food. It's one thing to be without a job. It's one thing to be without clothes on your back. It's one thing to be without friends and family. It's one thing to be without your health. But all of these things are far better than being without Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a true story about me when I was 19 years old and without money. I had a job working on a bridge crew overlaying bridge decks and pouring concrete. And it was a job that would take me out of town quite a bit, sometimes for weeks and weeks at a time. And being poor as I was, I didn't have much money. I learned how to keep my eating expense at a minimum And this was something that I had to do because the company that I worked for, they didn't offer any type of per diem or any type of extra assistance with food expense, except for the fact that if you were working out of town, they paid you an extra dollar on the hour. So this was 1994, and they started me out at $6 an hour, so that meant that I made $7 an hour when I was working out of town, and that wasn't very much even in those days. So what I did is I had to learn how to reduce my food expense down and I got it down to nine dollars a week I was eating on nine dollars a week this is breakfast lunch and dinner for nine dollars a week so what that usually meant in those days in 1994 this is 27 years ago in 1994 nine dollars I could buy a cheap loaf of bread I could buy a pack of generic soda I could buy a cheap pack of sandwich meat And I could buy a cheap pack of uh, a large bag of potato chips. And what I would do is I would separate those potato chips out with sandwich bags to last me for the whole week. And that's how I learned to live because I barely had any money at all. So I was taking $9 a week 
and I was eating on $9 a week. But God, in His common grace, even when I was an unbeliever back in those days, He took care of me. As challenging as it was to be without money, the worst part of it all for me in 1994 was the fact that I was without Christ, and if I had died in that state, it would have been eternal and everlasting destruction in a place called hell. But I'm glad He saved me. A few years later, a few years later, the Lord saved me, and I'm thankful for that. Without Christ means being apart from Christ. Without Christ means to be outside of Christ or not in a relationship with Christ. It is the most wretched state imaginable for a man or a woman. So who exactly is it that is with, without Christ? Paul used these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to describe the former condition of these Ephesian Christians before they repented and believe the gospel. These Ephesians, as a people group, they were a very idolatrous people. It was common among Ephesians to engage in uh, the false worship of a false goddess by the name of Diana. But Paul didn't mention any of that here because that was not even the root of their problems. It was true that they were ignorant and they were heathens, but above all else, their main problem was the fact that they were without Jesus Christ. You know, there's billions of people in our world today who have that very same problem right now. They're without Christ. They don't know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They don't know that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. They don't know that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. They don't know that He is divine. They don't know that He is the one true Savior. They don't know that He died on the old rugged cross for our sins and rose again from the dead. They don't know anything that He said. They don't know anything that He taught. They don't know that He's going to come back one day. Uh, they don't know how badly they need Him. They are ignorant of Jesus Christ in every way. They know God's existence through His creation, but that's the extent of their knowledge. We often want to think that being without Christ somehow only applies to people who have never been exposed to the gospel. But let us also know that there are hundreds of millions of people in this world today who live in civilized nations. They are intelligent people. They have access to all the modern technology, all the amenities that you could ever imagine, and yet they don't know Christ. Their knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ goes no further than those in heathen lands. And many of us would be shocked to find out how little knowledge of Christ resides in the hearts and in the minds of masses of people all around this world and even right here in the state of Tennessee and even right here in Kingsport. They've got a cloak of darkness that covers and blinds their minds to the truth of Jesus Christ and some of them have lived to what we might call a ripe old age and they can't tell the difference between Jesus and Buddha. They can't tell the difference between Jesus and Muhammad. They can't tell the difference between Jesus and Brahma. They come from every walk of life. They come from every race. They come from every socioeconomic uh, status. They come from every creed, every origin. They have a vast difference in language and appearance. They have stark differences in culture and, and political philosophies, but they all have one thing in common. They don't know Jesus Christ. Now I realize there's a lot of people today that will declare the very opposite of what I'm preaching right now. 
They preach a type of universalism that says all people will eventually be saved and they'll all receive the mercy of God and all people will eventually be pardoned for their sins regardless of how wicked their lives were upon the earth. And they preach that none of that matters for all the people in this world are just simply bound for heaven and nobody could ever possibly go to hell. But that's not what the Bible says. But the Bible does tell us that Jesus said this in John chapter 17 and verse number 3. He said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. When you have eternal life, it includes a certain knowledge of God. It's not merely a matter of attaining something from your intellect. It involves a personal relationship. You see, the Father and the Son know each other. And they love each other. And by the knowledge of God, men and women are admitted to the mystery of this divine love. And therefore, they are loved by God. And they love God. And they also love one another. So this is the unity that Jesus Christ prayed for in John chapter 17. So those who have eternal life are those who know God. They know God in a saving way. Furthermore, the Bible also says that one of the characteristics on whom, uh, 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 on those whom God will take vengeance on one day is, is that they don't know God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse number 8, says, In a flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints, and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. You can't be saved by Jesus you don't know. Amen? You can't be saved by Jesus you don't know. Now, it's true that our knowledge of Him grows. But all who are saved are given a saving Knowledge of Him. So there's also a group of people who have extensive factual knowledge of His life. But they've never trusted Him for their salvation. There are people who can quote entire chapters of the Bible. Yet they've never trusted Jesus Christ for their salvation. They can recite from memory lengthy excerpts from all the great creeds and the confessions of the faith. They can quote verbatim from their church's statement of faith. They can explain to you in great vivid detail uh, about the great doctrines such as the Trinity, the virgin birth, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all of the attributes of God. They've studied these things out. They've committed it all to memory, but their lives are nothing of these things. They reflect nothing of these things. They can quote scripture. Scripture, but they've never applied Scripture to their lives. They've learned a lot of facts about God, but they don't live according to what they've learned. They've never applied those facts that they've learned about God. They have never trusted in Jesus Christ. They've trusted in something else. They've trusted in something other than Him. They've trusted in their own ability 
to be moral people. They've trusted in a repeat after me prayer. They've trusted in water baptism. But they have no saving faith in Jesus Christ alone. They have no personal saving knowledge that Jesus Christ shed his blood for them when he died on the old rugged cross of Calvary. Took their sins and imputed his righteousness to their account. They have no knowledge of any of these things. They are without Christ. Without Christ. They think they can make it to heaven by their own goodness. They think they can make it to heaven by being a good moral person. They think they can make it to heaven by following the rules of society. But they've never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. In fact, they know nothing of the power of the perfect life and the sacrificial death and the glorious resurrection of Christ, at least in any true and practical sense that they've ever applied to their lives. Just knowing some facts about Jesus doesn't prove anything. I hope we all understand that. It's more than just knowing some facts about Jesus. Are you all with me? That doesn't prove anything. If you know a few facts about Jesus, it doesn't prove anything. Knowing about Jesus... It does not mean that you're saved and it does not mean you're walking in Christ just because you know about Jesus. The demons also know about Jesus. They know about Jesus. They know a lot of facts about Jesus, but they are without Christ. All are without Christ who have never believed in Him to the saving of their souls. Their faith is not a saving faith. And all who are without a saving faith are without Christ. It's not difficult to see that there's many people in the world today who will tell you that they're saved. They profess to be saved. They say, I know Jesus. But their lives just do not line up with the words of Jesus. Their lives do not line up with the word of God. They profess the name of Jesus, but their hearts have never been changed. They may even go to church. They may even give money. They may even speak well of the preacher, which is a rarity today. Unless he's a false preacher, then it seems like a lot of people want to speak well of him. But there's no evidence of the work of the Spirit of God inside their lives. They've never been raised up to spiritual life. They are without Christ. They need to be born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse number 3, He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. When a person is born again, they enter immediately into the life of the age to come. They receive Jesus Christ. They receive the Word incarnate. They become a child of God. And being born again is not just turning over a new leaf. Being born again is not just about a mere reformation. Being born again is not just merely undergoing a change of character or an outward alteration of your life. Being born again is a thorough change of your heart. It's a thorough change of your will. It's a thorough change of your character. That's what being born again is. It's a resurrection. It means you have become a new creature. The old man is dead and now you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. It means you have new habits. 
It means you have new desires, new judgments, new thoughts, new hopes, new fears. And all of this and much more is what Jesus intended when he declared, ye must be born again. It's all in there. We all enter into this world without love toward God. We all come into this world with no desire to love God, no desire to follow God, no desire to obey God. We don't have any pleasure to do His will. And this is exactly why we all need a new birth. This is exactly why we all must be born again. And we can't give ourselves a new birth. That's why the Lord calls it a birth. He's showing us that no man is the author of his own existence. That power comes only from the one who created the universe. And he declares that we must be born again. You can enter heaven without fame. You can enter heaven without money. You can enter heaven without a fancy house, without a fancy car. You can enter heaven without a good education. But none of us will ever enter heaven without being born again. None of us. The one who is born again believes that Jesus Christ is the only way. The one who is born of God overcomes the world by faith. The one who is born of God keeps himself from the wicked one. And those who lack these basic fruits are showing evidence that they are still dead in their trespasses and sins. So think about this. Can the marks of the new birth be seen in your life? Can the marks of being born again be seen in our lives? Because happy is the man or the woman who could say, Yes, I have been born again by the grace of God. For the day is going to come when those who can't say that are going to wish they were never born at all. See how serious this is? Very serious. So many people have allowed ignorance of Christ to lead them down the dreadful path of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. We need to avoid self-righteousness. They think they've done their Christian duty because they show up once or twice a week. They think they've done their Christian duty because they were kind to someone else and they have confidence in that because they haven't been as bad as other people. So surely, as they believe, they're going to heaven. But the problem is even lost people can be kind to others. Even lost people can show up, right? But they've never came to a deep awareness of sin abiding in their lives. They've never came to a deep awareness of the true sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and His blood that was shed for the remission of their sins. It seems they've placed their confidence in their own doings instead of what Jesus has done. And then we have those who neglect the Lord's day. They neglect a gospel preaching church. They fail to study the Word of God. And they have no hang-ups whatsoever about doing the things that God has explicitly said that we shouldn't do. It doesn't bother them a bit to go ahead and do those things anyway. They live contrary to the Word of God. They live in direct violation to God's commandments. Is this salvation? I don't believe so. Now, none of us are going to be sinlessly perfect, right? We know that. But without the Holy Spirit guiding your life, 
And without the Holy Spirit working inside of your life, you're without Christ. Now some of these truths that we're preaching tonight, I want you to know, we're preaching them in love. They may sound harsh. Some of this may sound harsh. But this is what's revealed in the Bible. And we are to make known what's revealed in the Bible. We are to explain the Bible. And my fervent desire tonight is to declare and make known the riches of God's grace and His love towards sinners. And to tell everyone that I come into contact with what a merciful God we have. To tell everybody that I come into contact with what a loving God we have. And many of them will tell me, you need to be reprogrammed. You need to be sent off to a re-education camp. But they need to know that He demonstrates His great mercy and His great love to those who seek Him. We need knowledge, we need faith, and we need the Holy Spirit or else we are without Christ. To be without Christ is to be without God. Look at verse number 12 again in Ephesians 2. That at that time... Ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So, to be without Christ is to be without God. So those who are without Christ are those who are not a part of God's family. They are not a part of God's covenant and elect people. They're created by God. They bear the image of God. But they are not in the family of God. They, they belong to the general mass of humanity. It means you're an outsider to the family of God. Now I don't know about you, but I've been an outsider before. And it don't feel good. It's not very much fun to feel like an outsider, is it? I felt like an outsider sometimes when I was in college. I took a lot of years after I graduated high school before I went to college. So I was a little bit older than everybody else who was in college when I went. And I felt like a bit of an outsider. Maybe you can think of some times in your life where you felt like an outsider. Maybe you were the smallest kid, you're the last one chosen for the kickball team. Whatever it may be. It makes you feel like whatever's going on has nothing to do with you, don't it? Like we really have no part in any of it. But if you're in Jesus Christ, you'll love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You'll also love sinners. See, if you're in Jesus Christ, you'll have a part in this. You'll have a part in this love. So, are you in? If we're without Christ, that means we're without hope. A man or a woman without Christ is without hope. As long as we've got life, we've got hope. But when hope is gone, there's nothing else left. Without Christ, we have no hope in life. This is summed up by Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 2 where he said in a moment of disappointment, he said, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Apart from Jesus Christ, we can write vanity of vanities on this entire world. 
And everything in it, just go ahead and pin it down. Vanity of vanities on all of it, apart from Christ. Yet, this is the life that's being lived out by billions of people today. An empty life, a vain life without Christ. This is the life that's being lived out by tens of thousands of people right here in the Tri-Cities. Thousands of people in Kingsport right now who would consider you and I to be fools because we came to church on a Wednesday night. They think they have freedom, but they're living a life that reflects no hope because they don't have Christ. Having hope in Christ is having a hope that's got some roots to it. It's a hope that's strong because it's built on the rock of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. It's not an empty hope that's powerless to comfort or powerless to save. It's not a hope like other hopes that fail when you need it the most. But hope in Christ is a perfect hope. It has no flaws whatsoever. It has no imperfections. Being without Christ means being without God means being without hope. So how can man ever draw near to God? How can we look forward to dwelling with God without terror? Well, the answer is we have a mediator. We have a mediator in Jesus Christ. God is great in mercy, but this mercy is connected with the mediation of His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when the Bible says being without God, of course that doesn't mean that God's not there. You can't get rid of God that easy. I know many people have tried, right? You can't get rid of Him. Not that easy. Just because you might lack a saving experience with God, it doesn't eradicate Him. It doesn't get rid of Him. It doesn't run Him off. He's still there whether you realize it or not. He's always going to be God. But when you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then you're not in fellowship with God. And then you're missing out on all the peace and all the joy that comes from placing your faith and trust in Him. You're missing out on all of the benefits of knowing God. And that means that you're standing alone when your world comes crumbling down around you. You're without God if you're in such a state. You're desolate and you have nothing. Because you're without God. Now if you're saved, you may go through all the same problems. You may go through all the same trials that everybody else goes through. But the difference is you have God. They don't. They don't have God, but you do. Now that's a big difference right there. When you know the Lord and you have Him as your shepherd, you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because you are comforted. His rod and His staff, they comfort you. Being without Christ means you're without hope and without God in the world. Now I'm focusing on that phrase, in the world, from verse number 12 again. It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now why does that matter? Because the world is under the wrath of God. Can you see that? I hope we can all see that. This world is under the wrath of God. If you can see that, run to Christ. Run to Him. Run to Him now. 
Run to Him immediately. Don't remain an outsider. Don't continue to live your life with these things having nothing to do with you. See, if you see that, come to Christ now and He'll receive you. That's what the Bible says. He'll receive you and He'll never forsake you. He said, all that the Father giveth me will come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. If you come to Him, He's not going to cast you out. He's going to be there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. If you're already in Christ, then rejoice and be thankful. Rejoice that you know Him and rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Friends, there's only one thing that can bring peace to your life. And that's a clear understanding of the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as the actual payment of our debt to God and having the merit of that debt transferred to us when we repent and believe, Jesus will calm your every fear. It will answer every accusation. He gives peace. Not just peace like a river, but the peace that Jesus gives is like an overflowing river. But without Him, we have absolutely nothing. Without Him, we're desolate. Without Him, we're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. We need Him. So let us examine ourselves today. And let us find out our true condition. Don't allow this day to pass by without giving it some careful consideration. There will come a day when you will abide upon this earth no more. And where will you be then? If you die without Christ, where will you be? If you're living without Him, then I ask you to turn to Him today without delay, without hesitation. He's able to save you. He's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever lives to make intercessions for His people. If you're already saved and you're already living life for Him, be thankful. Be thankful for the mercy. Be thankful for the grace and the love that you've received. Be thankful for a home in heaven. Be thankful for a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Be thankful for a friend who will never die. Your earthly friends may die, but this friend will never die. He lives forever. But also, please come to a greater realization of the sin in the lives of billions and billions of people that are without Christ right now. Right now. May we never think of those who are without a home, without food, without money, without a job, without health, without family, without clothing. May we never think of them those who are without education, without first and foremost thinking of those who are without Christ. May we help them as God would provide and as God would allow and as God by the leading of His Spirit would direct. May we help them and may we love our neighbors who are on the threshold of eternity right now 
by laboring for their souls. Would you bow in prayer with us tonight? Father in heaven, we love you. We praise you and we thank you, God. We thank you for this time together tonight. We thank you, God, for allowing us to open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 and and read verses 11 through 13 and bring out some of these truths, God, that are buried deep, these deep nuggets of truth that are buried in the Word of faith. I pray, God, that some of these truths have been extracted tonight to the benefit of Your people. I pray, God, that the sheep are fed And I pray, God, for the spiritual well-being of the men and women, boys and girls who are here tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so thankful, God. Lord, as we were thinking before the service of some things that we could do to foster our physical health, our physical well-being, like taking a bath and, and wearing clean clothes, Lord, all of these things are good because they're healthy. They're physically healthy. But Lord, for our spiritual health, God, it's so good to come to church and to open the Bible and to read the Word of God and to hear the Word of God preached and taught for our spiritual well-being, for our spiritual health. And I pray God tonight that this congregation would be a spiritually healthy congregation. Well fed and well taught in your word. God, I pray God that you would forgive me of my shortcomings and my failures in that area. Lord, I know that I fall dreadfully short. Without you, I could do absolutely nothing. God, I pray. I pray God that by your grace you'd make me a better servant that You'd make me a better brother in the Lord, that You'd make me the pastor that You would have me to be for these people, God, that we so dearly love and You you love as well. But God, I pray most of all tonight, God, if there's a lost soul under the sound of my voice, that they would repent and believe the Gospel tonight, that they would call upon the name of the Lord and be gloriously saved, that they would be made a new creature in Christ, that they would be born again And that they would walk in the Spirit. For walking in the Spirit means we're not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Thy will be done, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. And let's all stand if you're able, friends. Thank you for listening to the Free Gift Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us online at www.freegiftgospelmission.wordpress.com. Our service times are as follows. Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. Morning worship is at 11 a.m. Sunday evening at 6 p.m. And Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We are located at 1025 Maple Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. And we welcome all visitors. If you would like to correspond via email, you may email me, Pastor Vern Hall, at freegiftgospelmission at yahoo.com, or you may write to Pastor Vern Hall, 3301 Martin Farm Road, Johnson City, Tennessee, 37601. 
We look forward to seeing you at the Free Gift Gospel Mission, where the gospel is preached and the Lord Jesus Christ is praised. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.